Welcome back to the X-Files podcast by LSG Media. I'm Dean. I'm Josh. And on this week's episode, we're talking season one, episode 16, Young at Heart. I didn't remember this episode at all. I was uh, going to ask you what kind of blender concoction <laughs> you, you you came out with with this one. <laughs> um, I didn't this remember was it be at all. A frosty frozen Dean X Files special. I, you know, I'm sad to report. I kind of blanked it. Isn't that weird? I, like I, I have nothing to say about it. Like in other words, of of memory, I have stuff to say about it now for sure, but no memory of this. What does that mean? Did I not see it? I will tell you exactly what it means. Go. Okay? I've been putting some thought into this. You know, how many times have I said, like, I've seen this, I've seen season one so many times. Dude, hardly remembered this. Hmm. Brian Campbell on the Facebook. Other, like, two or three other people I talked to have all said, like, man, I didn't remember this one. Hey, it's it's the fucking Mandela effect, bro. It's an X-File in and of itself. It is... The Mandela effect. The f- young at heart is proof that at some point in the last 25 years, we've had a dimensional split. And this just <sighs> didn't exist in the prior one. Mm-hmm. Or it was different. Or hmm. who knows? We, we won't know. The whole other dimension, Morty. Nice. All right, Rick. <laughs> well, here's what I'm thinking. I'm convinced. That, well, the title doesn't Shazam work. Kazam. The, t- the title doesn't work. He's literally young. Yeah, not young at heart. He's kind of all just young. <laughs> he's he's dead at heart. He's dead at heart. He's young in body. It's true. I was like, well, that's not going to work. As I as the episode wrapped, I immediately was thinking. I thought, I went, the title doesn't work. Well, whatever. Yeah. So, um, dude, there's some stuff I like about this movie. Movie about this episode. Um, I got to tell you, you know me. Love a good deep throat. <laughs> who doesn't? Who, who doesn't? I mean, it is a bit of a novel thing, but it's nice once in a while. I just oh, think sure. this time, I thought, did they did they need to go government conspiracy? It was a little shoe. It was weird, right? I was There's like, couple... why are they doing that? Mm. Just give me the Frankenstein thing. I got a couple questions for you as we run. I'm looking it. forward to it because I, I need some prompting questions here. Um, but I, uh, but I have a couple of questions for you. <laughs> I see you're applying for um, the piano fixing job. Is that, <laughs> yeah. is that what you're doing? It says here your name is Mister. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. I don't know if this is a pun, but Mister Salahander. <laughs> <laughs> Is that your name? Because with those mitts, I don't want you anywhere near my to, my seventeen hundred dollar piano. To be fair, that's not my tuning hand, sir. Okay, what's and, that hand exactly? And according to the Americans with Disabilities Act, you may not uh, have any. Um, uh, what do you call it? Yeah, discriminatory yeah. practices. Discriminatory practices. As far as any kind of physical limitations, if I can perform the job, and I certainly can. You is the, is that hand is that is that fucking reptilian hook? Is <laughs> is that the lifting hand? That is uh, 
I, I, I just lean on the back of the old piano tuning wrench with that arm. <laughs> and I'll tell you, some jobs you want less fingers. I guess. Yeah, it's going to tough, tough to run a skill saw that hand, but <laughs> boy, yeah. Well, yeah. he's got the he's got a, quite the meat hook on him, but I don't want to jump the gun. I just I just wanted to address your application for the piano fixing job. Um, Tashman. Also, oh, go ahead. You, I guess you don't need a lot of experience to tune a concert piano immediately before uh, or yeah, a large performance. It's real easy. I like how he's just in there, like cranking on the fucking E string. Like, <laughs> like what are you doing, dude? Oh, broke another one. No, it's the piano. It's, oh, is that a... It, it's the piano. Is that a blue note you're going for? That's real clever. No, just <laughs> just fucking change the string. He's just literally <laughs> turning the string knobs. What are you doing, man? You're I a see fucking here, reptile person. I, I see it here under prior experience. Um, you took a uh, middle school band. <laughs> Marching band. Wow. Hmm. All right. Oh. That's uh, That's... Well, Mr. Salahander, I got to be honest with you. I think we're going to um, we'll give you a call. And, could be uh, a could be a working uh, working interview. It'll be a, it'll be a week. We'll we'll give you a call. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Come out here next to this cellist with that hook. So, yeah, uh, I, I guess we kind of just skip our our prior history or whatever we kind of lead off with in the episode because it seems like we're in an uh, alternate dimension. Alternate dimension, and it also seems like. I may have not had the entire first series on VHS. <laughs> um, <laughs> Maybe you missed an up. I'm thinking I might have only, like, they came in box sets of somewhere between two and four tapes per package. Mm. And it wasn't, I know I'd never bought the complete first season, but I thought I had them all. And I'm kind of thinking, based off a, a couple of last episodes and maybe a couple coming up, that... Uh, might have had a little gap in there. Mm. You know, you'd think with the way Mr. Ridley looks, Dr. Ridley, formerly mm. known as Dr. Ridley, you'd think that that guy's, like his countenance, as it were, would be unforgettable. Yeah. You'd think you'd never forget you saw him. Uh, yeah. It's kind of like a mix between... Um, Actual Dr. Mangala and like a Crispin Glover's George McFly kind of mm, look. There you have it. <laughs> like a cross pollination. There you have it. You right get there. your damn salamander hands <laughs> off her. <laughs> I mean, we're milking that. This is a warning. <laughs> if you're just tuning in. So I don't know. Look, no, we got nothing on this. So let's go to Tajmu, Federal Correctional, Pennsylvania. 1989. <clears throat> four, four years prior in this timeline, in this dimension that we don't exist Good to in. know. Good to know. We see a Mr. Crandall, as he's come to be known, who's been in the X-Files before, I'm told. Oh, good old uh, Joey boy here? Yeah. Apparently he was a detective, like, in the Eve episode. Really? Hmm. Yeah. Well, things have uh Perhaps the Mendo effect have really, uh, well, sure. We're good at this. X-Files thing. <laughs> wow. He's been, uh, yeah, man, he has a, uh, I love that. We've talked about this before, but these, uh, these local cats, especially in the Vancouver days. Yeah, yeah man, it's know? awesome. Uh, X, uh, Star Trek's a fan of this kind of thing, recycling a guy in multiple positions. Yeah, I like it. But um, 
What kind of a prison outfit are we running here? Um, it's pretty laid back for the facility where uh, a, a multiple murderer, dude that just barely beat out the death penalty. Mm. And it's kind of like a, I guess, just sort of an open campus kind of situation it here. It appears to be. Is that what's going complete on? Complete with OR. I mean, yeah. I guess if you'd probably not the most sterile place in the world. But, That's a hell of a camp infirmary. <laughs> John Barnett's dead. No, I heard him screaming, Crandall says. And the doctor goes, wait a minute. Let me grab this scalpel and threaten this man in a wheelchair. Yeah, that, that probably won't be suspicious. <laughs> he won't talk. He's a, he's a prisoner. They usually keep mm. their mouth shut. Hmm. Renowned for their reliability. <clears throat> what do you think of the zoom on the uh, old milky pale blue eyes? You know, <clears throat> there's. So I don't want to shit on this episode because I'll tell you right up, I like it. Yeah, me too. But but there's a few wonky things, and one here is the eyes. A little weird. It well, the whole thing that doesn't make sense is we're going out of order here. But <laughs> You're it's Benjamin to us, Button, but not but not the eyeballs. But he hasn't even started buttoning his Benjamin. It's true. Right? His, ba- at- his, bu- his Benjamin's clearly unbuttoned <laughs> on the his table. Benjamin is hanging <laughs> right out. Um, he hasn't even ha- handed his Sally. I, I'm sorry. It's almost. I'll, I'll show myself out. Well, well, we, got, we got time. Um, but, right, he's, he's at normal age. You know, the experiment is just starting here, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought the so. eye thing was kind of like a side effect a of... A degenerative result of the experimentations. Correct. Not like an instant instant effect. Yeah. But Well, you know, TV's fun. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Opening credits. So, a kind of a brief one. Yeah. So, and we come back to... Uh, we come back to a city we, we know and love in the X-Files, Josh. It's D.C. Yeah, good old D.C. Present day. Jewelry store robbery, we learn. Uh, they got a call from a former violent crimes colleague who we're going to come to know as Reggie Purdue. Reggie. Reggie's cool. Lone gunman killed the woman after she filled the bag. Well. No, a lone gunman, not the lone gunman. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I need to add my uh, article. Um, and Reggie, Reggie's got evidence that's going to blow your fucking minds. Blow your mind, Mulder. Not like, you know magic magnets, but mind-blowing nonetheless. <laughs> Mulder asks about witness description, 5'11", white male, ski mask, that must be him. That's Barnett. Can't be. Co- He's dead. Yeah. A couple things I really like about this scene. I, I, I dig, especially here in season one, <clears throat> getting, uh, getting backstory of both these, both these cats, you know, mm-hmm. Mulder and Scully. Mm-hmm. You know, the showing them that they, you know, they had a life, they had a career, they had a path before, you know, the X-Files, obviously. It's, right. it's still a pretty new thing. Um, it's easy I to like when that. they show that. Um, I will have a question that maybe, maybe they try to do a little bit too much with this, but I'm not sure. I just want to get your thoughts on it. We'll sure. come back to that. The other thing I really like is they do a, a cool job of, you know, I think a, a cheaper writer maybe as soon as he hands that bag we as the audience looks right in the bag as Mulder does yep 
I like that it takes us a while to see what's there. We just get his reaction. He's almost goes white. He's his mind is blown. Indeed. And he immediately goes to this uh this Barnett character. And he explains this history with the man, doesn't he? First case, arm rob uh, arm job. She was trigger happy. He killed seven. There was a big task force and Reggie was my ASAC, which is assistant special agent in charge, I guess. I was 20 years old, right out of the academy, he says, and he had a theory. Barnett had an inside connection employee at the armored car company who was tipping him off about large cash shipments. We set traps, but Barnett was always ahead of us. That's when the note started. Right? Boom. We get our note. Fox Fox can't guard the chicken coop. Damn. Well, Mulder says they did catch him, just not cleanly. An agent died. Mulder says he screwed up. This clearly weighs on his conscience. And, of course, Barnett avoided the death penalty on a technicality. But he did get 340 years, which was just multiple life sentences, I suppose. And uh, he died in prison four years ago. Narrowly avoided the death penalty and got 340 years at White Pines Light Correctional Facility. (laughs) Minimal minimum security, conjugal Mm. visits. Open (laughs) campus. Very progressive. Swedish model, I believe. Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Those Scandinavians really progressive with their uh, incarceration. Indeed. Yeah. Yep. Vikings no more. No. Well, we might as well get this over to uh, old uh, old uh, Agent Henderson. <clears throat> hungry, hungry sparrow. Love Agent Henderson. I do too. She's fucking funny. She's saucy and she's funny. Yep. And, and fucking good at her job. Fucking good at her job. A pro. Look at me. Pro. <laughs> what the fuck movie is that from? Uh, Van Wilder. Oh, shit. That's right. <laughs> How sad is it that I responded Holy to that? Holy fuck. That's funny, that dude. Quickly. That's when does the lollipop, right? Yeah. Oh, man. Agent Henderson makes... Uh, all right. Why, why don't you take me through the handwriting analysis? Yeah, I like this. He, uh, she's cracking some jokes, right? Not, not everybody... Ten minutes, just ten minutes, Mulder. Yeah, Um, but immediately she just boom starts rattling off details. Sure, this was written within the last forty-eight hours. Ballpoint pen, subjects right-handed. He was sitting down, but you already know this. I'm just showing off. Cut to the chase. It's Barnett, or it's a damn good copy. Basically, Mm. is the is the summary. Believe the percentage Um, chance of match was ninety-five. Yep, Uh, and it shows. Obviously, she shows competence, which means that. We as the audience should feel pretty confident about this. She has a personal history with Mulder and with this case. Um, so this isn't, you know, a wild guess. This is a, a pretty informed opinion. Mm. Yes, that's fair. You know, I was thinking this, um, does this mirror Lazarus a bit with the old, it's almost like a body switch kind of, it feels. It, yeah, and it's and it's literally like an agent switch, right? Right, right. Because we're kind of getting, uh, you know, we're getting this look on on Mulder, and uh, uh, you know, obviously the subject is very different. But we're getting Mulder and his his past with the FBI versus you know that was Scully and her past in the FBI, um, and then yeah, it almost is a, a body swap in Be- a way because the monster really isn't a monster in a traditional sense. It's a, no right. The big the big difference is uh, well, I think a couple things. I think. They hold the audience as <clears throat> in mystery um, more deliberately in this one. Sure, uh, you know less revealing. Uh, like we talked about in Lazarus, I think the mystery 
I think I kind of tried to write more into the mystery, right, of the question of was or was that not completely uh, whatever the hell the name was, you know. Right. Was uh, was he conflicted? Did, did both those personalities exist in his mind or not? Um, versus here, we really see almost as little of Barnett as Mulder and Scully do. Sure, Barely sure. more glimpses. Um, and the other big difference is that that was personal for Scully because of her connection to the swap body. This is extremely personal for Mulder, and it's also extremely personal towards Mulder for the antagonist. Versus Scully was kind of a uh, victim of opportunity in that one. Sure. Yep. This motherfucker is gunning. <clears throat> He's coming at him. Yeah. So Reggie and Scully are going to watch Mulder's footage. This is... Uh his footage here. Barnett's hostage standoff, apparently. Mulder had a clear shot. We see him behind the guy. They, they kind of lay this out a little bit, and she, it seems like all is lost. Barnett's surrounded. Um, but apparently, we're led to believe that Mulder had a clear shot and decided not to take it because he was going by the book. Reggie says that he could have saved more, maybe one or two extra lives, and that's when uh, they show Barnett starts shooting, and Mulder opens fire on Barnett, but the shots were... Not lethal, apparently. Enough to stop him, but not before he killed the driver and agent, Steve Wellenberg. And uh, as a result of Mulder's passionate testimony at the trial, that's, uh, that's what got him all the time, he's suggesting. But Reggie will never forget Barnett telling Mulder he'd get him. I'd get you. Reggie wished Mulder would have killed him. Mm. Yeah, so uh, I'll drop the question right here. Do you think that they try to do too much with this whole incident as far as shaping Mulder's past. I'm not sold on that, but uh, it was a question that I read of, you know, basically, is this leading us to believe that Mulder was this by-the-book, you know, Mm, straight uh shooter Uh heading up the ranks, and then this thing happened, and now he's the Mulder we see now, completely unconventional, like the opposite of by the book, going against every reg in existence. Uh, I'll tell you, I did flag, I did flag the comment about by the book because it didn't, I, I flagged it because it, it stood out to me as being a little out of place. Yeah, it's, it's not a regulation thing. It's a common sense thing, right? Right. I, 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 and I thought, it, it's funny because I thought, is the episode attempting to suggest that Mulder was once by the book? Because if they are, it's not working on me. Um, but I did take it, but I did take Mulder's hesitation as something which, of course, then led to deaths, which he would naturally consider as a, as a human being with empathy. He made a mistake in his mind in the field, which led to the loss of lives. I don't think, I think the, the, the part that I flagged, which is the buy the book shit, is to me perfunctory. Like it doesn't really make me think that he, that his rebellious streak, or, or, he, or, or he was always by the book and now he isn't. Like I didn't, that just didn't jive with me. But I like seeing a shootout in which maybe he fucks up, and then he has a guilty conscience about being part of an operation or an arrest in which somebody gets killed where he's of the opinion that he has a clear shot on the guy. I think that that makes a lot of sense as to why he would feel shitty about that. Yep. I think anybody in that position would feel guilt about it unless they were a sociopath. 
right? Yeah. Yep. I like that. I, I mean, that's kind of how I feel about it. I think I, I thought about it, but and I, I guess I'm of the impression that I don't think that they're wanting us to believe that this is what m- made Mulder this wacky, unconventional. Yeah, I didn't get that impression at all. <clears throat> the by the book thing is kind of weird. Um, now, later in the ep, they seem to want to push that agenda. They, that's what I mean. They right. really with, with, come back. With Reggie's testimony about Mulder's promise, but, we, but should, we, should we sit on that? Yeah, yeah. let's bring it back up at the end because it comes literally right down to the, the dialogue between the two of them sure. at the very end. So, yeah, stick a pin in that. So but, uh, this engagement, I mean, I mean, once he shoots the hostage, they react pretty slowly. Yeah, yeah, you got like fucking eight, <laughs> eight agents with guns drawn and you let him not only shoot the hostage, I mean, that's going to be pretty quick, then turn his weapon mm-hmm. outboard, Sure. shoot an officer, an agent, in the face. In the face. And nobody gets a shot off? Do you think maybe it's because they suddenly realize they're all flagging each other because they're <laughs> standing in a complete circle? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Mulder takes one. <laughs> Fucking jabronis. Oh, boy. Yeah. Well, you yeah, know. That's his own hostage. I mean, just just go get a donut. <laughs> hey, these are FBI agents, bro. They they have croissants and Starbucks. Oh, all right. Fucking, Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. There are no Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> go get a couple of fucking lattes. Street cops. <laughs> all right, <laughs> well, this we guy go. shoots his friend and then go arrest him. Or shoot him. I don't care. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so we get, we get that uh, kind of fills in our... our our past on this a little mm-hmm. bit more and then back to the back to the matter at hand uh 95% is what comes up here that it was Barnett's writing ah, um yes. and the death certificate also comes up dated September 16th 1989 mm, close right which is probably uh, the release date of this episode is that weird I was just thinking holy uh, shit Sunday right yeah yeah god that's weird 29 years to the day that <laughs> good old good old Barnett Good old had, um Heart failure, I believe, is what it's on the death certificate as. Something cardiac, coronary uh, something. Um, so we went past the kids' football game, did we? Not yet. Okay, Not yet. Here, it. it's coming right up because uh, Scully kind of brings up the... You know, it, it might not be him. It uh, might have right. been something else. might be planned. You know, everybody knows about that. And Mulder... Gets pretty upset about you this. did the right. Yeah, I can imagine that. Like people looking over an old tape that you're pretty ashamed of. Yeah, so upset that he's gonna he's go gonna to storm off and some other kids' football game. Yeah, I mean, can, can you help me understand this scene? I'm gonna I'm gonna have some questions for you on this one. Uh, I mean, I, I get what they're. I like the emotion they're trying to convey. No, no, no that's fine. But <clears throat> hey, why are you playing in a mud pit? <laughs> it's a fucking hey. mud pit. Hey, you know who doesn't do that? Fuck kids nowadays. That game would be canceled as fuck. Dude, they were like in it. a total mud pit. Get out there, now, man. Is this I mean, they're really keen on the quarterback here. It's not what's his name's kid though. Is he just at another kid's game? Yeah, it's that it's that the dead agents. Okay, it, okay, it is. Kid. Then is nobody there going to recognize Mulder from the trial? <laughs> well, the dad's not going to. <laughs> <laughs> That's so fucking dark. I love it. <laughs> Mommy? No, maybe an uncle brought him. 
Ah, whatever. I'm nitpicking, but um, yeah, man, that's that's intense. Maybe don't sit there with a bag of evidence out. That's kind of like watchless behavior. I know what it is. Some dude in a trench coat in the back seat yeah. holding a fucking Ziploc bag. It's watching weird. a bunch of kids that aren't here. Yeah, it's weird. You know, you I, was, I was thinking about this whole scenario. You know, I can't help but go off the deep end, and I start thinking about you know the the Wellenberg boy. You know, mom's not there. Do you know why mom's not there? Because she's got to work. His daddy's dead. Right. That's the real fucking tragedy. This latchkey kid has all his eggs in the football basket, right? He better hope he sticks to the quarterback in position because white guy in football, unless you're fucking Edelman, and he doesn't look like Edelman to me, so I don't know. Yeah, do you want to get crushed in the slot? Yeah, I don't think you do. Little tiny white receiver. Coming over the middle, right? Fucking middle linebacker blowing you up. My dad taught me this lesson when I was about nine, ten years old. Um, I played soccer. was like my main sport growing up and then into hockey. And uh, we're throwing a football, and then I was in the backyard just kicking it. And my dad came out, <laughs> and he's like, he's like, yup. He's like, hey, hey, son, you want to work on something as far as a sport? Do, do what you're doing right now. Keep punting the like, football. You go on the field three, four times. You kick that. You make a cool half mil minimum. Hey, nobody's even allowed to hit you. It's like a rule. <laughs> Every once in a while, a fucking DB gets a little excited and runs you the fuck over. But you know what? That's all right. Then you get a little vacation time. Yes. The, one of the, the last domains of the great white athlete. The, <laughs> the, unath- the most unathletic position in all of football. <laughs> oh, shit. Well, yeah. when Mulder returns to his car, there are some photos of him. Everybody in 94 was a photographer. I mean, these shots are great. <laughs> Every FBI agent in 1994 didn't lock the car door. I guess. As Danny Fouch points out in the chat. I mean, that neighborhood is pretty white. Um, I do. My favorite part about the scene is how you get the feeling that there's something weird about that guy in the fur cap. Immediately. Like, just from how they shoot him. Immediately. And how you never get a good look at his face. And, you, and you, you're like, it lingers for a couple seconds too long. And then that half turn. You just kind of mm. see like half his face. I like that a lot. Me too. Because Mulder kind of fucking freaks out here spooking the other parents yeah exactly a hunted fox eventually dies you know when he just yells what the fuck yeah. i'll get you hey bad enough you got that kid's dad killed now you're gonna come up here and fuck up his soccer or uh, football game <laughs> yeah i mean but great images this guy this guy should just take his newfound youth and be a photographer despite his <laughs> milky eyes he's pretty good yeah good point huh mm. obviously he can still you know, here's another situation where the guy gets a second chance, but he's so bent on revenge. Dude, this guy could be running a photography photography shop by day, mm-hmm. tuning up concert pianos by night. Yep, with and a instead hand. he's <laughs> with a salad hand. Instead, he's throwing all the way on a fucking the old revenge game. Goddamn, to his ruin. Mm. Well, he yells, and uh, we see the pale eyes, as you mentioned, and the tundra hat. I believe that's what you call those. And then, of course. We go back to Reggie and Mulder. Mulder shows Reggie the photos. And Reggie says, God damn, that boy can shoot. Those are good photos. But he insists that it's Barnett. How could you say that? I just feel it. Mulder's fond of saying, and he says it again. And here's some dialogue that we got to talk about. 
Yeah. Take me through this as Reggie kicks out the fucking other agent <laughs> out of the office Bam, and shuts it. the door. All right, he shuts the door. Reggie says, you didn't believe that spooky Mulder talk, right? And Reggie talks about the promise of a young Mulder. You pissed me off just looking at you. I love that line. Um, <laughs> but you're always ahead, right? And it was scary. In other words, he's complimenting Mulder about how, how intimidating his intuition was, about how he's always a step ahead, right? Reggie says the FBI had big plans for him, whatever the fuck that means. And now, and now he's kind of a liability, which is really a rough thing to tell somebody professionally speaking um, especially your former mm. almost mentor i guess you know sure Mulder asks is someone in the bureau behind this i mean that's he's not even listening to reggie he just hears that part <laughs> maybe maybe not it's always good to cover your ass right black man yeah. coming up in this world he knows all about that smart man right Oh, yeah. Scully interrupts with Barnett's will. But before that, I think you want to, and so do I, focus on that dialogue before Scully reenters the scene. Yeah, I just... What are they trying... I don't know. ...to get to? I don't know. Because it's... They're... The more you think about it, they're trying to do more than just the, he's guilty because he didn't take the shot, obviously. They're... you know, maybe what I read, the comment was, had a point in that, are they really trying to make it seem like this is a a bigger part of the Mulder you know now than maybe I, maybe it makes sense? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's necessary to the development of the Mulder character at this stage of the game. I think having a Mulder character that because you know you bookend this we learn about how he failed to take the man out before he did real damage which he which he uh, rectifies at the end of the episode by taking out the man before he could do real damage despite already shooting Scully but we'll talk about that too <laughs> um but um you know this is Reggie just sort of I mean, I, I guess if you wanted to get out your old stretch pants. You could just say, Reggie hasn't worked with Mulder in a long time. Mulder had a lot of promise, and now you're acting like a crazy person. Like, I heard you were, and I was hoping you weren't, but it appears you still are. Hmm. I mean, if you want to distill it down to that. But it, it, it also begs the question, doesn't that subplot sort of not have a place in this particular moment? Or are they just yeah. trying to create conflict for conflict's sake? Yeah, I kind of think it's a little bit of that. Me too, as I'm talking out loud here. Because it doesn't... You're right. It feels as if there is a weaver out there making a very concerted effort to weave this tapestry together of something about Mulder's past relating to this failure and how he's unhinged, and and it's just not working. It feels weird. It feels like like they're trying to lead you somewhere, and, and you're like, nah... Nah, I yeah, don't because that, the, I don't think that the works. stuff that does work is is there, you know. Right, they just trying to go too far with it. That they that he and Reggie have this relationship, so that's cool. We get a look into Mulder's past, and then obviously the impact when Reggie dies. Mm-hmm. the The guilt he feels about this, how much it heightens this this conflict with Barnett, that works. Mm-hmm. It's like they're trying to go for you know they're trying to go for that two point conversion. I think you're right. I think that's a really good. Uh, I think that's a really good analogy. They're trying to go for two points when they really don't have to. The game's well in hand. They're bell checking that shit. The game's well in hand, right? Yeah. You know, I was thinking about this, and this is really armchair writing bullshit. But you, 
if you really wanted to put Mulder in a dark spot, you could have had you could have shot that scene a little differently. You could have had Mulder. You could have had the guy shoot somebody, and then as they're lowering and their gun, Mulder freezes, and he shoots the guy next to Mulder. Then Mulder opens fire. I mean, you you could have just shown him literally freezing up and fucking up and feeling all this guilt about it because that's what we're focused on, the guilt. We know Mulder is as Mulder does, right? He performs according to the way he is, as he always has, right? I know that's really convoluted philosophically. but, But what we're concerned with is the guilt he feels over Barnett and in how there is this personal connection between these two men. It's a big mistake on Mulder on Mulder's part that's sort of haunted him that he's going to get a chance to rectify. And they could have just focused that. Yeah, I think there's plenty there. There's I think plenty that's more than enough. Yeah, and, 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 you know, you could have had Reggie, instead of creating this, this unnecessary conflict between Mulder and Reggie, you could have had Reggie being cooperative and helpful, and it still would have been impactful when the guy kills Reggie. Yeah. Right? Just, yeah, just I kick mean, the I, fucking I do like extra the, point. <clears throat> yeah, whatever. I mean, it's, it's interesting to bring up this, uh, I, I, in a way, I like the, you know, you used to be different thing. You know, this, this relationship he has with Reggie about, like, I don't know if I like the whole thing, but when he says, like, yeah, I didn't buy into this, all this spooky talk. Sure. Because that's not really about the Barnett thing. That's about how he's gone overboard with the X-Files. Right. Um, which isn't. That's, I don't know, that's the obsession. That's the Samantha thing. That's sure. what he's sure. found as he's dug into it. But per- perhaps, yeah. perhaps maybe what, the, what they wanted to do is just have Reggie, and they just maybe just didn't do it well. Maybe they just wanted to, to, to put some conflict there because they wanted us to, to feel like, well, Mulder wasn't always spooky Mulder. He used to be a straight arrow, and that's this guy's testimony telling us that. It just feels a little forced. Yeah, because... Can you ever picture Mulder as nope. a straight arrow? Never. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Not well, once. we've beaten this fucking horse to death. Yeah, that's pretty dead. So, yeah. Uh, what do we got here? Scully pops in. She does. Which she's got some info about Barnett. She does. All his belongings, according to his last one testament, are to be left to Joe Crandall. He's to be cremated, ashes spread along the Delaware by an employee at the crematorium used by the prison. That's weird. Mulder leaves, <laughs> still not convinced. Killing a sales clerk to leave me a note. Hmm. He says as he's exiting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it brings us to, uh, what do you call those? Like a digital computer rendition? Re- yeah, digital, digital rendition. sketch artist, whatever you want to. <laughs> sure. Digital. Um, trying to figure out what Barnett would look like now, but he's thinking backwards. I like this. Yeah. I, I like, this is, this is a cool, this is a cool plot point that returns I just, I just like the idea of a piece of evidence driving you in the ultimate wrong direction. I mean, literally the wrong direction and then going completely back the other way, the right direction, which is he would be advanced age now, blah, 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 blah. And then he isn't. And then he goes to, oh, wait a second. He comes back. Yeah. Fucking that is, cool, right? The setup is cool. That's slick. Yeah. And I like it. He's like, you know, add mm-hmm. whatever, add 10 15, uh, yeah, add 20 pounds, add X amount of years. Um, kind of looks like fucking Saddam when they pulled him out of that spider hole. <laughs> like when he's like, add a disguise. Like, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> a big fake nose oh. and glasses go on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Fucking trench coat. 
I want to throw in a a quick note uh, from the chat just to wrap, put a little bow on what we were just talking about. Um, I agree, but I feel like they are still trying. This is Moxie166. I agree. I feel like they're still trying to a bit too hard to add this dimension to Mulder's character. As much as I love the show, it's something that the writers did throughout the first season too often. Just unnecessary fluff. Yeah. Um, and I think I think uh, they got a good point there. I think there are a lot of episodes where you might feel that way because eventually, when the show really hits its stride, they don't have to backwrite that shit. They have it so much material in the show That's already, so they lay it off it. So yeah. yeah, they didn't need to. Yeah, but it's a good point, Moxie. Yeah. Anywho, um, talk to me about this because I know how you are <laughs> sometimes famously yeah quite quite picky about your flashbacks. I mean, I didn't love it. Yeah, I didn't think you would. I didn't love it. I I mean, it's it's very it's shot very melodramatically. Yeah, the lighting's like really weird. Courtroom drama. I was like, are we in a Grisham novel? <laughs> what the fuck is this the client there's almost like flashback lighting to it, it felt like. R- right uh, almost you know what it, i mean like i mean it seems dreamlike is, is kind of exactly. what you're saying but yeah. what a fucking weird it's it's a little corny the way he literally turns prior to the flashback the way he literally turns they got like <laughs> a medium shot on him to the flashback i was like stop <laughs> stop it i don't think i needed the testimony, I don't think I needed to see what Reggie already told us, which was he gave a testimony. The guy said he was going to get him. That's all I needed, man. I, I don't... And boy, Mark Snow made some choices in this episode, didn't he? We haven't even talked about that. What the fuck is with the scary enigma suit sounds? I don't know. Um, tell you a couple things, though. This Speaking of production stuff... Uh, you know who this episode wasn't directed by? Uh, 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 wasn't directed by David Nutter or Rob oh, Bowman oh, or Chris usuals. Carter. I didn't or look at anybody the good. <laughs> it was directed <laughs> by Michael Lang. If you haven't heard of him, it's because you haven't been watching enough OC or Drop Dead Diva mm. or Make It or Break It or Switched at Birth. Wow, I don't know these. You shouldn't. Do you want to listen Everybody to else, 90210? <laughs> do you do you anyway. want me to turn this up a little for a minute? I really do because I know you are a, a the music man. Here it goes. Wait for it. What the fuck? Dude, we haven't even gotten into the fucking dark choral music. It is. In Scully's apartment so with the candles on. Weird. Is is this fucking Mark Snow's goth face? It is it is he making the exorcist? Is he dating a fucking a, a cashier at Hot Topic? I think he is. What's happening in the production of this episode? Is he making music for my Vampire the Masquerade game in 1997? I'm not going to lie, dude. I like the fucking music. I'm just not sure it remotely fits. I, I, I concur. I, I concur. love the music. Actually, it's some of my like most standout, as, but maybe it's because it's standing out because it's <laughs> super fucking noticeable. Because <laughs> it's goofy as fuck 
in a few minutes here, we're going to get this like, whoa. Oh, it's really weird. As Scully writes a medical report we'll, we'll by ramp candlelight. It up. We'll ramp it up then, too. Cause oh, please do. Please do. God, man. Um, yeah, so super melodramatic. Mulder gives his testimony and then, you know, gets called off the stand and then he fucking loses his shit. And as uh, loses chat, his shit, on the chat causes the case to be thrown out for <laughs> well, a, well done know, a mistrial. Good job. <laughs> well, well hey, done. feel bad about that, motherfucker. I know, I know. But um, man, this the music is, is where... out there. It, it is. You know, I will say this. That's definitely music that's kind of in my wheelhouse. But not sure it's really relevant there, right? It'd be like it'd kind of be like playing that at a kid's birthday party. It's like. <laughs> ah. Are you sure right now is the time for this? No, no, listen. All the kids just start crying. No, hang on. It's it's the fucking it's that football game and that music starts building and then all of a sudden all the all the actors stop and they start looking and we realize it's actually in the scene and Mulder's got a boombox and he's oh, blasting that no. in the back scene of the bleachers. Diegetic music. Uh, yeah, I like it. Um, <sighs> yeah. you know what though? I, I will say if there's any reason I would forgive the flashback, it's because I do really love the moment when um, when Barnett turns around and he does that. I'll get you. And he, like, the way that fucking lip, you know, mm. read my lips, I'll kind of whisper, but you're just reading it so I'm really overdoing it and then mm-hmm, blows that mm-hmm. little kiss or wink or whatever he does. Mm. I like that. Pretty cool. Some unsettling shit. He's a creepy guy, man. Well, yeah. Scully has some evidence, though. Barnett was admitted for an infection in his right hand, his Salahand. No coroner complications on his physical. Six months earlier, he had a clean bill of health. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's a bit odd. Plot thickens. And finally, this leads us back to the already mentioned Joe Crandall here. It was already mentioned as his, uh, the receiver of his last will and testament. Hmm. I changed his bandages, and we just got to know each other like prisoners do. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Got a little lonely in the Tajmu nights. <laughs> As we, uh, you know, when we would take our nighttime strolls throughout the uh, <laughs> entire facility, through the gardens, you know, that uh, he, uh, have open. he isn't dead, is he? Crandall says. And he recalls that he saw what he saw. A doctor took his hand, clean off. A Dr. Ridley, he told me Johnny was dead, but I knew he was lying. Threatened me with a scalpel just for asking. Mm. I think he doesn't say scalpel, though. He says knife. Yeah. And I'll never forget those eyes. Mm. I bet you won't. Mm. On them cold Tash Moon nights. Well, he's not convinced that Barnett's dead, is he? No. And, uh, boy, if you need to fuel Mulder's fire, mm. consider it, uh, Consider it a blazer. Cut to Mulder racking one? <laughs> yeah. His pistol? <laughs> we're, this one's for like 80s, 80s montage. <laughs> it straps on a head, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> he drew first blood. Yes. <laughs> yes. I'll give you a war you won't believe. <laughs> but what is Mulder going to do? I'll tell you what he's not going to do. Wait around for another Valentine from Barnett. <laughs> <laughs> you mean the ghost of John Barnett? What? Bring! Ah, hello, Sydney. Not yeah. quite. This is more like 
I mean, the voice is kind of weird. It's, uh... Is it... Is it Private Pile? (laughs) It might be. I am... Really hamming it up. In a world of shit. (laughs) That's what he sounds like to me. Why aren't you stomping Private (laughs) Private Pile's guts out? out! Dude, it's so weird. Yeah. He's really going Fox for it here. Smolder, you sound surprised. You know what it is? It's a mix of uh, Gomer Pyle and uh, Heath Ledger's Joker, I think. <laughs> That's quite the mix. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing a lot of weird mixes tonight, but... It's a good one. Yeah. Do you know how, how I got this smile? <laughs> no scars. <laughs> Licking his face. Um, yeah, he's... Uh, Really, really going for it here. Mm. Do you, did you like? What do you think of the performance of Barnett? I like. You, I like the idea of taunting Mulder via the phone calls. His voice was a little goofy, but I do like him taunting him because he strikes me as that kind of guy. Yeah, I wasn't. I didn't mind how goofy it was. I kind of was like, all right. I mean, it's pretty funny. He's kind of a goofy motherfucker. He is goofy. Man, <laughs> it's like he runs out of shit to say though. Man, I'm like everywhere, bro. Man, everywhere. I own you. He's just like saying, he's totally like freestyling right now. I love it. Yeah. Totally went off script. <laughs> he's like fucking eight mile, this guy. <laughs> what did I say to you in the call room? Did you ever doubt me? Man, I'm everywhere. Just rattling. You've been waiting five years. I know. You couldn't have, you couldn't have <laughs> bulleted out a couple things, you know? <laughs> yeah. Can you organize your thoughts a little? A big little, little beginning, middle end? Hmm? Hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. So one phone call leads to another. Oh, right, right. And Mulder calls uh, our boy, Reggie. And uh, <laughs> my favorite part is when Reggie's like, it's the middle of the night, Mulder. Mulder's like, it's 1045. Right, right. That's good <laughs> and Reggie's shit. like, well, whatever, go home. <laughs> <laughs> and you just feel it coming, you right? You feel as it. As soon as, that, as the camera angle Solo, The changes, silhouette is good. Yikes. Oof. God damn. Guy's sneaky. I'll tell you what. I guess the Salah hand gives you a bonus to breaking and entering. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Well, I mean, he is this accomplished bank robber, a career criminal, you could say. So probably can pick a lock. We know he can, well, presumably he did not break into Mulder's car, but, well, I mean, yeah. So he murders the guy with a Salah hand. It's a hell of a choking hand. It's a hell of a choking hand. Apparently they cut the scene down quite a bit. There was going to be like more of a struggle, a, 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 a prolonged strangulation that I oh. guess Fox was like too brutal. I kind of would have liked that. Me too. Show the man fight I, for his life. Yeah, I kind of thought kinda like Reggie like kind of went out like a bitch. Kind of like a bitch. Kind of like a bitch. Mm-hmm. No self-respecting black man is going to let somebody choke him to death like that. Yeah, dude. This is like a. T- we are led to believe a 25 plus year veteran of the FBI, mm-hmm. violent crimes, all sorts big of shit he dealt guy. with. Yeah, big, big <clears throat> rangy. Um, yeah, I mean, I get, I get the Salahan, but I would have liked at least to, because on, honestly, I think it would have made Barnett more intimidating if there had been a struggle. Right. It would have seemed like, whoa, this guy's got a superpower hand. Yeah, because you don't really get that impression. It doesn't do anything, does it? No, <laughs> As it we're doesn't, talking, dude. Does just, the Salahan do anything except tune pianos? <laughs> well, it chokes people out I in guess. like two seconds, but it's, 
You know, it's not even good villain behavior. It's almost right? like a fluke, though. It's like it's like the Battlestar Galactica miniseries where Six just breaks the baby's neck, and she's like, "Whoops." <laughs> That's what it's like. It's like some <laughs> gladiator just, shit. Like, are you not entertained? Well, no, you didn't. You just killed him like dude, immediately, dude. He's driving in his car, looking at his hand later. He's like, "Fucking wow, that was unexpected. <laughs> that was quick." Woo, Salahan. I got to call up Ridley. Good hand, Ridley. Yeah, I mean. We got in fatalities in four seconds. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think we agree there. Need a struggle. We want to see, uh, for for the sake of Reggie's character, but also to kind of raise the stakes of... Yeah, what you're going to be wrapping honestly, up Honestly, I forgot that like the hand was <laughs> special or strong or whatever. <laughs> yeah, and dude. Adept at tuning yeah. corded instruments. Yeah, I guess. Because <laughs> you don't even see the hand yet, right? Do you? That's so fucking funny. The fucking hand is funny. The fucking hand is fucking funny. <laughs> the hand. By the way, like... The hand is funny, man. I'm crying about it. It's you so reverse funny. aging. Like, that's the whole thing. Yeah. Oh, oh P.S. I gave a salamander hand? <laughs> yeah. You're still going to use the 357, though. <laughs> You know, I wanted him to kind of at the end have the mask on, like the fucking phantom, right? With the oh. hand half, like half that. good, half bad. But yeah, I, we'll I like get that. we'll get to that. But yeah, the evidence is shared, clean bill of health. But Mulder and Scully go to see Crandall. Um, we are way past that, my friend. Oh yeah, Reggie's, yeah. Reggie's dead. Reggie, we have an angel. Mulder calls Reggie. <laughs> Reggie's attacked by the the reptile mitts, and down he goes. Crime scene. Mulder mentions that Reggie's wife died. Uh, and that he was working on a mystery novel. He said Reggie never showed it to him because he's certain Reggie didn't think he would like it. I love that line. That's a great It's such line. a real-ass thing. When somebody dies, you, you think of shit like that. That's fucking cool, man. Yeah. That's a very cool personal It really does. slipped in there. And you know what? You know, we didn't need to flash back that I'm flying a kite or something or eating ice cream cones. That worked. Beautiful man, a fucking buddy montage <laughs> in, in black and white. <laughs> they do like the interlocking hands. Mulder has like a black twist. He has a white twist, and oh, they see past Christ. their color and they eat the ice creams. But um, Mulder mentions uh, what next here? Oh, oh, the the letter, the letter. Right. So, and, and now we're just now we're just stacking up the body count of right. the of the shot that Mulder didn't take. Right, I like that too. That's another. You know what? That's a great point. I didn't even think about it that way. Yeah, I just thought about it as him trying to rectify the past. But now that this guy's back, you have an opportunity. But so does he to make you feel shittier. Yeah. Now that everything else he he does is in Mulder's mind because Mulder didn't take that shot. Everything he's out doing, not just tormenting Mulder, but all the collateral damage. Sure. Is is on Mulder's consciousness. Indeed. It's piling up. Indeed. Um, funeral for Fox's friends, then for Fox. Oof. That's creepy, Ooh, man. Boy. Back, um, back to old Agent Henderson. Yeah. <clears throat> Who, by the way, binary is a one, right? Yeah, I mean, what are you easily, doing, Mulder? Easily a one. I mean, I, I get you have other things in your mind, but... Easily a one take her out to dinner sometimes she's clearly interested and you clearly <clears throat> have a, not a lot of prospects right you are a, a basement dweller <laughs> yeah. she, she, she definitely go out with henderson in in smash it'd, hey it'd yeah be good henderson 
uh, worth about 27 Phoebe Greens. Easily. Yeah. Easily. Yep. And forget about the pound-to-dollar conversion rate. Probably like 40 <laughs> if you factor that in. <laughs> Not to mention but, you have to listen to her incessant blather. Oh, God. <laughs> right? Uh, yeah. We, we learn a little bit more here. We though, do. Right? Right-handed, because I the, believe. The whole-handedness comes up here. Mm. Because that's the problem is that she's saying it was written by a right-handed man. Barnett was right-handed. But now we have this testimony or this information that his right hand was fucking removed. Mm-hmm. Could it be a prosthetic hand? Uh, not really. No. You need fine dexterity to make this type of printing. How about a tracer? That's a negative. How about three fat, goofy-ass <laughs> salamander fingers? <laughs> that kind of fine dexterity? Like tuning a concert grand piano kind of dexterity? <laughs> the performance went terribly, by the way. <laughs> it did. It was tough to, to negotiate around that, that particular string. So where do you go from here? You've we, exhausted your leads. We have. If this guy was wearing a glove, the note wouldn't be smeared like this. We never got prints off the notes. We're starting to point to monster hands. But Scully has information, doesn't she? She says, Dr. Ridley hasn't been officially a doctor since 1979, sir. He had a license revoked. He had research malpractice, experimenting on children. Progeria, I believe, is what it's called. Research. It's like an advanced aging type of thing. Yikes. Um, And they are going to follow up on, I guess, some of Ridley's last known connections. Yeah, while they're watching the video. National Institute Um, of Health. And they talked to a doctor there named Doctor. I have uh, a pretty cool little story here. I think I know it. Oh, do you? I do. I think it's the, it's almost like the make-a-wish thing that I kind of equated it to. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. Don't tell, tell the listeners, my good man. Well, this, um, this stock footage, well, not stock footage, this footage of, of Dr. Ridley with the, the young girl with progeria is a actual young girl with progeria, um, which was after the production crew contacted the progeria society, they were put in touch with the family of Courtney... Arkiaga, um, who was a young girl with the disease. She and her family were huge fans of the series. They were flown from San Diego to Vancouver to shoot the scene. Fucking cool. That's pretty fucking sweet. Fucking cool. Yeah. Do you know um, that she's passed away? (laughs) You gathered. I I was not making my obligatory... Awful, awful humanity joke. There's but plenty. I would, uh, I'm not touching mm-hmm. them on this one. <laughs> Courtney that, Sue Arkiaga. Um, that will be our good deed, is to not yes. make all the jokes that are in our head right now. Correct. She Let's was, just have, can we have three seconds of silence and say them in our head silently? Ready? Okay. 33 years old, so, so not bad. Oh, really? Yep. Oh, shit. Yep. San Diego but, Union Tribune article uh, posted on September 12th, 2018. Are you fucking serious? She just died? What is going on? Oh, other dimension, Morty. Do you hear me, Morty? Oh, Rick. Um, David Hernandez wrote it. Oh, January 17th, 2018. But still. That girl died like eight months ago? Yeah. Holy fucking shit, dude. Hmm. That is weird. Weird. That is weird. Weird, weird, weird. Um, Also, I thought, like, uh, I don't know. Do you think it was um, the new X-Files that killed her? Um, I thought. Sorry, I, I'm Christ sorry. Almighty. I'm sorry. I immediately take it back. I immediately Does take that it back. line up with my struggle for. 
<laughs> Yowza. <laughs> well, they go to the National Institute of Health and, and all that didn't happen. This is an altered dimension. We're doing it over again. <laughs> Mengala, they call him. Yes, known as his his colleagues called him Doctor Mengala. Doctor Mengala. Hmm. He went to South Africa because you know those people don't have any rules. Not back then. <laughs> to do his work and um, human trials, he was enraged. And uh, this guy's not a fan of Ridley, is he? Oh, South America, by the way, not South Africa. Oh, South Africa. But 1989, pre-apartheid, you wouldn't be wrong. Well, there you go. Scholar and Molly talk about this. Mulder's convinced that Ridley found a way to reverse aging. Scully says, no way, Jose. Maybe John Barnett has found the perfect disguise. Youth, Mulder insists. That is science fiction, Mulder. Hell yeah. I love that line. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now we get back to the... uh, yeah. The computer, computer artist lady, Hell whatever yeah. you want to call it, right? Digital mock-up rendition, whatever. Mulder does a mock-up of a younger Barnett. Ah, he's been learning over the course of this investigation. <laughs> Very cool. Hey, <clears throat> real quick side note, uh, My Circle 3 aired January 3rd, 2018. In, is the fourth one the last one? Yep. Oof. Mm-hmm. It's a good move. But... <laughs> What? What? So, <clears throat> so Scully's voice over. <laughs> Throat! Sorry. <clears throat> Scully's, <Yeah>. voice. <laughs> Scully's voice over. We, we, need to, we, need to, we need a breather. Can we take a quick... Can we, so here's what we're going to do. Can you mark the fucking tape? No, we're not going to mark the tape. We're going to take a quick breather because we've got to talk about this music. <laughs> so we'll be back in like 20 seconds. Hold any validity. According to the leading scientific journals, projections on this kind of genetic engineering are at best speculative and futuristic. Why are your candles lit, Scully? That's weird, right? She's probably going to do a little, like, a little bath, a little bean flick, maybe, maybe a romance novel. Dude, what is up with that? The that dark chorus of it's so bizarre. Somebody pointed out in the chat, and I'm sorry, because I'm scrolling back up to see who it was. It was probably Danny Fouts. He's been bouncing all over the place. But this seems more appropriate for the the fucking Amish episode. When they're down in the... Oh, shit. Yeah, dude. Good call. Turn that back up. Couldn't you see that shit when they're carrying that dude all jellied up? Yeah. He's like, hey, Scully, I'm going to touch you, and then we're going to bone. It's weird. It has a. Um, it's very discordant. It's cool. I like the. I like almost the. <clears throat> it's like a playfulness turned upside down, because of the way the piano is like that rhythm. Boom, ga, boom, ga, boom, ga. But it's all like discordant and fucked up. It's like, yes, so I weird. really, really like the music, but it has almost no place in this episode, does it? Mm, no, unless she's about to fuck the devil. <laughs> Right. Yeah, save Rosemary's save for that babies. One. Ro- Rosemary yeah. baby. Rosemary's baby action. 
Um, Not the baby's action. That'd be a different <clears throat> film and probably <laughs> illegal. Well, it's not film. She goes for her favorite. I mean, pistol. it does. It does add to the tension, I guess. Sure. If if it's not distracting you, because it is oh. creepy as fuck, and this is good tension mm-hmm. because she hears noise a couple times, and then you know we get her moving through. I think here's where we get the first look at the the Salahand. We do. That thing's good. And uh, I mean, if it did Reggie in quickly, Scully is in trouble here. Yeah. And I kind of, as we said, forgot a lot of things. I forgot all about Dr. Ridley mm. at the door. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I forgot about the way he looked, which is, is bonkers, man. Yeah. Hey, uh, quick question, though. Uh, later, Barnett's going to call Mulder and threaten to kill Dr. Ridley. Yeah. Um, Obviously, he's here because he wants to kill Scully. Mm-hmm. Oh, Twofer? Twofer seems in order. It does. That's a good point. She does have a gun out. Maybe maybe he didn't plan on that. Mm. Maybe, I guess. But it kind of seems like, uh, yeah, at Carmelita, Dihan de Verlitz. Oh, Perfect music. What a, Perfect what music an episode. for that. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, maybe he... Maybe he just, all right, there's two of them now. One of them's got a gun. But it seems like, oh, Dr. Ridley's here. Like, he somehow has the key to his, like, kryptonite. That's how it feels. Like, oh, Dr. Uh Ridley's on scene, and he slinks out the back. Mm. But really, Dr. Ridley doesn't have anything but information. Right. Dude, the stones throw from death. (laughs) 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 Right? Right. His kidney's going all bin Laden. That's right. He needs dialysis. He does. He certainly but does. Music music cuts out. The shadowy figure kind of disappears. The saddle hand is gone. And Dr. Ridley is on scene. And we get a little chat here with both our agents. Yeah, this, this time transition was, was interesting because they, you know, they wanted to bring Mulder into the scene. And I was like, did this guy stay the night for like a split second? <laughs> I'm like, is it the next day? <laughs> what the fuck? Cra- crash on the couch. Mulder's going to be here first thing in the morning. That's not weird, you- right? Do you want a blanket or anything? Well, the, well, the candles are lit, so. Yeah. By next day, not next day, though, but but that night. Just a transitory shot, I guess you could say. Um, he talks about his continued research in Mexico, then in Belize. Barnett is one of the only who survived his experiments. Riley reveals that he will be dead in a month from a rare disease. Uh, progeria kills the same way. Riley reveals that he was able to reverse the aging process, but at the same time, he became susceptible to the same ailments a child would should they have this disease. And that's when he calls Riley his one great triumph. And the dialogue goes a little bit like this, Josh. He's not dying, only his eyes, which do not uh, respond to the gene therapy, but John Barnett appears to be thriving. He goes on to say that he varied his treatments, and uh, he starts talking about myelin, which is a material that prohibits us from regenerating a new hand if ours is cut off, and you're able to grow John Barnett a new hand, not exactly, not a human hand, and boy... This shit here is fucking classic. I'm afraid to ask, what kind of hand did you grow? A salad hand. <laughs> Got to hand it to you, doctor. Hey, Mulder's um, squeamishness at the idea of a salamander hand is fucking great. <laughs> While we're on it, um, Dr. Mengele here. So you reverse aging, that's not enough. 
you also want the subject to be able to grow fucking limbs back? Like, isn't either of those things enough on its own? It definitely seems like... Are they not completely different fucking things? They are. Or am I missing something about the explanation of how these genes are working here? That it's something about how the genes can... Or the cells can replace the lost limb, and that's also the key to them regenerating themselves and renewing and reversing the aging process. Is that tied together in a way that I'm not tracking? No, I think, I think it's tied in a way together that makes sense for television to be represented visually in an X-File. But I think a simple like a microscope would tell you that it's working. I don't think okay. you need the whole fucking Salahand angle. <laughs> no, probably but I think not. it's just X Files y. It's more. It, well, to be honest, he hasn't been a doctor for 10 years, so maybe he's not up on this techniques. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, Danny Falch in the chat, uh, but he knows where Scully lives. Hey, dude, everybody fucking knows where Scully weird, lives. Right? Watch the show. Like 40 fucking people break it's into an apartment. So... <laughs> <laughs> hey, move. Definitely move. <laughs> Definitely move. Or Get an never have apartment. your gun more than six feet from you. Yeah. Already in season one, I think it's been broken into like two or three times. <laughs> Just wait till fucking Donnie Faster's there. And the gall of Riley to say, I'm an outcast in the medical community. <laughs> yeah! You put a salamander hand on a guy. <laughs> you did that. <laughs> you made a fucking Spider-Man villain, dude. Yeah. You can't... He's, he's like... Shocked. Um, I'm trying to think of a good name for him. You knew if <laughs> you knew if your theories panned out, he interrupts. <laughs> the man who controls the fountain of youth. Doc Ock and the Salamander Kid. Yeah. How's the man that? who controls the fountain of youth controls the world. Well, that's noble. <laughs> what the fuck? I, yeah, I don't I don't really know. How could we ever uh cast aspersions on your character I, and I, your yeah. professional background? This is kind of neat though, because this guy's kind of abhorrent, isn't he? He's a he's a fucking absolute monster. He is, and they're and they're just sort of like, hey, would you like some tea? It's a <laughs> weird yes. cordial sort of situation. Yeah, it's interesting because ultimately, like, all right, yeah, he's a you know he's a pariah, and maybe there's some crimes he's wanted for, but ultimately, okay, like he's giving us information, and what are we gonna do? He's dying anyway. Mm-hmm. So they sit down and they have a conversation with this absolute fucking monster. Cool. Um, and I like that that was brought up from the beginning when they were talking about progeria, about how, um, you know, th- that other doctor that's talking says, like, Ridley never cared mm. about these kids. It was, just, it was just a tool, a stepping stone. Indeed. Whatever he says there. But this was, you already brought <clears throat> this up. This segues into... Crazy Town. Yeah. So, Manana at a bar leads to Deep Throat, which normally might be fun. But today, not so much. Seems out of place. Seems forced. It seems forced with a capital F. Yeah. So I, government's trying to buy Barnett's research. That, or I'm sorry, Ridley's research from Barnett. Because Barnett stole it. Yeah. He wants that money. Slippery, safe. slippery salamander <laughs> hand. The king of ah. BE piano tuning ah. and throat breaking. You see a shot. Of like an FBI, uh, you see a shot of like Riley's desk, and it's just like the camera's not moving. It's a top-down shot of the desk, right? And you just see this salamander hand slip into the frame, <laughs> dude. <laughs> think about it, like grabbing a fucking the D- folder and sliding it out out of the frame. 
Think about it like a fucking D&D artifact, right? Like the hand of Vecna. Oh, shit. This motherfucker, the salamander hand, the sala hand, gives you what? Like triple your unarmed damage, uh, automatically win grapple checks, plus 10 to open lock, plus 10 to slide a hand, plus 10 to uh, profession music tuner. Yeah, yeah. It's got a bard level in there. Yeah, I got a bard level. <laughs> it's a hell of a. That's a powerful, powerful item that will unbalance your fucking campaign real quick. It'll definitely unbalance. It's like it's like the uh, 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 Morty's arm, <laughs> like yeah. a giant jacked arm. He just like strangles it. the guy in the bath. <laughs> I'm sorry, this isn't me. <laughs> um, well, weird. Um, so Mulder hates the idea. Freak assigns he's a murderer, right? Right, Didn't. because Deep Throat's talking about how, you know, hey, Deep Throat says he kind of has all the cards here, you know? Mm-hmm. Mulder's like, he's a murderer, and he storms out without taking a sip of beer, which is how every one of their meetings goes. Mm-hmm. The information he has could change the course of mankind. Consider the options. I will. <laughs> Phone rings, dude. Phone's ringing, dude. Phone's ringing, dude. Um, she gets out of the shower. Her messages are playing. <laughs> This is 90s as fuck. <laughs> but totally real. You'd have to explain several parts of this to a, to a millennial. You, you would. But I do remember that you could dial a code and have your messages play back. It was a slick way to know who was trying to reach you when you were home. Yep. Almost like a, like a voicemail almost. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What a hell of a thing. Scully says that she mistook Ridley's arrival at her place with an earlier noise, which is now she's sure was Barnett. Because there is a left index fingerprint. Um, Not the salad well, hand. As well as it appears I have a lizard infestation. <laughs> There's a print in a really slimy mess on the other side of the machine. <laughs> the print, a slimy mess, and a couple scales. <laughs> so I've called an exterminator, and also um, I've asked my apartment to be taken off list. That's a good move. Barnett calls Fox. Again. Your new friend Ridley. Don't grow too fond of him, right? He's going to die soon. Don't worry. I wasn't. You know, that's passive voice, and I'd like to correct his English. (laughs) Your new friend Ridley, don't grow too fond of him. I mean, just say don't grow too fond of your new friend Ridley. (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) Yeah. Maddie Anderson's here. In case you were thinking about um, (laughs) having a bro date with the the fucking Nazi doctor there. Um. Yeah. He threatens so, Mulder, too. Mulder tells me, you won't have that chance. Man, this is the land of the free. I'm just checking in. Bye for now. Mm. Mulder asks Scully what Barnett learned about the messages. I'm meeting a friend for her cello recital. You fucking nerd. Of course you are. <laughs> That's such a Scully thing to do. Yeah. Well, um, this reminds gotta, me of the NBDRS, uh Robbery set up in the last episode. I got a small favor to ask for you, Scully. <laughs> yes. Um, would you mind if we use you as bait? <laughs> how about your how about your cellist friend <laughs> and your cellist friend, <laughs> who we're not going to tell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there he is. So they're going to ambush this but, guy. Uh, Sure, except they're going to ambush him. Like, come on, Mulder. You know, Mulder. You know this guy. <sighs> Mulder, you know what? These bodies are on you. 
<laughs> totally. totally. This one, at least. <laughs> this one. At this point, dude. At this point, buddy. It is. There's by the book, and there's just bad judgment. Right. And this is bad judgment. Mm-hmm. As much as I do always enjoy watching Mulder brief other agents and yeah. fucking delegating shit out, I just like that. Handing out like the fucking looking. images. Yeah, it's cool. Yep. He might look look at all these images, become familiar with all of them. He could look like any of them. Um, boy, you put your partner in a hell of a spot here, mm. as well as everyone else here. I mean, in a way, it's like, okay, I get it. Uh, what else do you have to go on? Mm-hmm. But boy, do you not Big fucking really, hook. A little worm have a, on a big fucking hook. Great plan to take, take this down. I'll tell you, we don't have to go through beat for beat. Everything you need to know about this fucking sequence, um, you can learn from watching Dumb and Dumber. It's true. <laughs> what if he shot him in the face? <laughs> <laughs> well, that was a risk we were willing to take. I guess. I guess, right? Hey, how come you're wearing a set of welder's gloves for your piano work, <laughs> you weirdo? Hiding the hands? <laughs> I guess. Hmm. Um, yeah, just gets a shot off. Just shoots her. Hits Scully right in the chest. Mm-hmm. The, what was that? 357 Magnum? Yeah. At that range. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. It looks like a Colt Python. I don't know if it is. That's, but. uh, yeah. <laughs> glad he didn't shoot you in the face. You know, kind of like he did to that FBI agent you used to know. <laughs> Got seven bodies on him. Don't <laughs> test him specifically shot that guy in the face, but <laughs> Scully, you'll be fine. Put this on. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, even though I don't like the, well, I'm, I'm jumping the gun here. Yeah. Well, what else do you want to say about this? I mean, the, he, the showdown, he, he, right? He, he goes for the gun. He shoots her. He got the salamander mitts. I'm kind of bummed. He didn't even put the salamander mitts on the chest. I would have liked that. I would, yeah, just like lift her way up in the air with that sound. Or just have it around her, like grappling her, truly. Just being gross. Mm-hmm. Just being gross. You, what are you afraid of? Huh? Regulations? You need me alive. I know where the research is. This, this is, is really, also uh, really, this dialogue is terrible. It's not good. It's reckless behavior. I mean, this guy got away so many times. Why is he so, I mean, I guess it's just revenge. Maybe it's the... Real, real hell bent, hell bent on revenge. Yeah. And, but like, really, you're, he's going to reference the regulations. Mm. Come on. This bro. is quite operatic, isn't it? On the stage, the Beauty and the Beast kind of mm. Phantom of the Opera showdown. Are here. you thinking what I'm thinking? <laughs> Remake this episode into a musical. You could. <laughs> you definitely could. The courtroom scene as a flashback would play way oh, better in a musical. Yeah, it would. My piano is not tuned. Salahander, the genetic opera. Nice. Now you're talking. All right. Get Paraselton up in there. Yes. Yes, do that. Um, uh, but Mulder does take the shot, right? He does. Um, and afterwards, after he shoots him, he goes, You ain't no daisy. You ain't no daisy at all. You were just too high strung. <laughs> Fucking one-handed shot in the head. Yeah. God damn. Gangster. Well, not, I don't know. Oh. No, it's not the head. Chest. Oh, right. One-hander. And by the way, um, somebody's got a gun to the head of a victim. That's kind of the time to go for a headshot, I think. We're going off regs here. I mean, yeah, you want to shoot for the face, for sure. But, but shot to the chest, 
Yeah, he's probably, probably gonna, still going to be able to kill probably the Probably going to squeeze it off. <laughs> yeah. But no. Um, he, uh, he pulls <clears throat> a fucking... Pulls a fucking... <sighs> Wild Bill Hickok here. Takes a guy out. Yep. And he lives. Once again. Um, initially, at least. Yeah, for a minute. Um, we get him in here. Great look at CSM. Very subtle. Weird, huh? In there. That was cool as shit. Yeah. I completely forgot about that. Is he Just supposed second- to be CSM? He's must, credited as CIA agent. Uh, oh. And this is from Ben Prue. He said this is his second appearance. And remember, Carter, when he threw him in there, he talked about how I just wanted some creepy mm-hmm. black suit, you know, men in black kind of guys out in the background. And it's that, hey, like, you didn't have to have the master plan. You, you had the threads there, and then eventually you, you know, sewed it into a quilt. Sure. And eventually, you wiped your ass with that quilt and made my struggle three and four. Mm-hmm. But in the interim, you made a hell of a character out of these appearances by by uh, our man. Um, as he's on the operating table here, right, being desperately operated on by three being yelled at by the CSM not to die. <laughs> hey, asshole! Trying here. They go for the defibrillator. I would like to read a comment. Yeah, finally. We had a, uh, a, a doctor a write-in. A doctor. A doctor. doctor a, a, he is British as shit, isn't he, right? Oh, yeah. Dr. Dan Jeffrey. I think they do like no. four months or oh. over there. Or Australia. He's, uh, he, he's, he, one of them talk, he's one of them countries where they talk weird. Whatever. <laughs> they're, they're all the same. He's from Newcastle. He lives in Australia. You know. Yeah. He, he's from one of the islands. Where Which means talk. he did like four months to get his doctor thing. Right. Probably by mail. But we, uh, we had our long, unprofessional discussion last week about the defibrillation, mm. and uh, we got some professional uh, input here. So, hey guys, just listening to the latest episode, Dean and Josh got into the whole Hollywood flatline defibrillator discussion. As a doc, thought I might be able to clear that up a little. The heart is basically powered by electrical depolarization. Mm. Various conditions might cause this to become disordered. If someone's heart is fibrillating, it is essentially depolarizing in a disordered manner. This means the muscle doesn't beat as effectively. The heart can't eject as much blood. Bad news for staying alive. As Josh said, because he's wicked fucking smart and awesome and pretty handsome too. When this happens, a defibrillator may sometimes be of use to re- resynchronize the heart. If you have no electroactivity, i.e. you're flatlined, there's no use in defibrillating the heart as it is not in fibrillation. Literally nothing is happening at all. This is different from someone not having a pulse. Often you don't have a pulse because your heart isn't beating at all. Um, I'm sorry. Often you don't have a pulse because your heart isn't beating at all, but sometimes it's because your heart is beating so fast that not enough blood is ejected each beat to actually feel the blood flow. Mm. So it's just you're not going to get a pulse from it. Right. Um, this situation is off, often caused by a type of fibrillation. As Dean said, this is where you attach an AED and it detects whether or not there's a shockable rhythm. So in a way, you guys are both right. Also interesting to know this is a scenario. Should This scenario should be distinguished from a heart attack, which is where parts of the heart muscle itself dies due to not receiving enough oxygen, most commonly due to coronary artery disease. Hope that's useful. Very useful, Dan. Thank you. We will call on you again. You are now our subject matter medical expert. Kaplow. Kaplow. Wow, that's exciting. Well, bastard taking his research with him. Mm, but maybe not. Maybe he left it in this train station. Mm. Someone, and someday, somewhere, somehow? Probably Jason Bourne from the way this is shot. <laughs> I think we'll probably be the one to show you're right. up. 
I don't think we've heard uh, the last of, of him. I couldn't tell because the camera's stuck on an extra. Like Jesus Christ. This leggy blonde I can, with... I saw the same one. <laughs> leather boots. I was like, that's definitely where it's hiding. Very distracting. <laughs> Very distracting. Well, that's, that's our... Uh, that's, that's our real, real professional look at Young at Heart. Oh, Young at Heart. Listener oh. comments? Um... Yeah, you got one? Uh, you got anything ready? Yeah, I might as well go back to... Uh, back to Caramelita Valdez McCoy. Boy, do I ever. Only Mulder could wind up with a nemesis after his first FBI case. He's that skilled at pissing people off. That's awesome. She continues by saying, Barnett's voice is hilarious. Sounds unhinged, definitely, but also totally goofy. I can't help but love the feisty forensic handwriting specialist. These days, she'd be written up for sexual harassment. But this is 94, back when, back before zero tolerance policies. Mark Stone's giving me some heavy omen vibes with the music on this one. Good shit. Mm-hmm. So basically, that's the whole podcast right there. She just summed it up for you guys. If you want to yeah, just skip to this I like part. It. I like it. If, you, if, you're on a, cu- if you're on a, you know, if you don't got much time. <laughs> <laughs> I think I covered a few as we went. So, yeah, uh, sure. Final thoughts at Young and Heart. Dean. Um, hate, hated it. Didn't like it. Liked it. Loved it. I liked it. I liked it. The, uh, the, F, the, the government part of it was a little goofy. I don't think that was really necessary. Um, I like the idea of... Uh, I like the Frankenstein idea. Um, I think we sort of beat to death the idea of uh, Mulder's unhingedness being something new for him. Don't like that. I think that's kind of bullshit. But I do think... I do believe in Mulder's struggle and guilt here over being on an assignment where lives were lost and uh, feeling like he could have done something about it and having to rectify that by the end of this. Um, I like that a lot. Um, Salahander is goofy and fun to talk about and definitely fun to watch. So, yeah, man, overall, I definitely enjoyed this episode. I, I shan't forget it again unless we split off into another multiverse, mm. um, which I guess is possible. But um, you know, it's not you know, it's not top in any lists. It's fine. It's it's kind of uh average X Files, I would say. Yeah, I would say that's a good assessment. I liked it too. Uh a lot of cool stuff in there, definitely some goofy shit. Mm. Um but a fun one. Indeed. Um I am looking forward big time. Me too. To what's coming up next. I think we've had a few, you know, decent episodes in a row here. Um EBE is one that does stand out in my mind. This is from our original dimension. This is, mm. this is a constant between both of these dimensions we're existing in, or the unlimited number of dimensions. They always have EBE. Yep. Um, I'm looking forward to talking EBE. I'm looking forward to it. It's, um, this is good stuff, man. I, uh, I haven't seen it in a long time, but I definitely remember it. So there you go. Yeah. Next, uh, it, in two weeks it, from today. Get Get the lone gunman in there, and that always makes me happy, too. Hell yeah. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you've been a, a joy. And, um, and uh, Josh, or should I say Mr. Salahander, <laughs> I know you've been waiting for a long time to know if we're going to hire you for the piano tuning job, and I just want you to know you're our guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll be seeing you around. Boom. Boom.